Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and I'm here with my co-host Adam Hawkins and our producer David Roark. In this episode, we're going to do a cultural roundup and talk about our new president and some of the news around that, as well as the Pixar movie, Soul. As of a few weeks ago, Joseph R. Biden is now the president of the United States. Trump is out, but the wake of Trump and his last few weeks as president are still around. I want to start our conversation here because as we talk about Trump and kind of how he left office, we have to talk about his impeachment. Y'all, what are we to do with this impeachment? That's a great question. What are we to do with this impeachment? Um, I, you know, the first thing I would say here is I was even having this discussion today with a friend that this is the type of thing that I hope as Christians, we can just agree that we may have different opinions on and we can agree to disagree on. Like, this is just not one of those things that's clear cut. Like, if you're a Christian, you have to believe he should be impeached. If you're a Christian, you have to believe he shouldn't be impeached. Like, there's some room for variance here. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm I'm going to probably land a little bit more, not a little bit, but land in the camp of the need for impeachment. Um, and I think, you know, you could cite a lot of different things, but ultimately inciting the insurrection at the Capitol and what went down there and like what we've already learned, you know, from different things that have come out after the fact that, you know, there were some, some very specific plans, you know, to, to harm, you know, political figures, um, and stuff like that. That was, um, it wasn't just a bunch of crazy people who were drunk and stupid and just broke into the Capitol. Like there was, there was a lot more going on there. And I think the, the serious of the seriousness of that, and the inciting of that from a president, um, in my opinion, very clearly warrants impeachment. And then like, so that that's like, you know, why you should impeach. And then there's the bigger debate, like, okay, maybe he is impeachable. But I think you what you see is a lot of like, you know, GOP senators, many of which, you know, would consider themselves Christians. Um, the Marco Rubios of the, the world, Senator James Langford of the world, you know, those people. Um, their kind of view is like, well, maybe he's impeachable, but like, let's just like, let it go because we need to move on. And this would cause more division, you know, in our country right now. And that's, I've actually spent less time thinking about, you know, like grounds for impeachment, even though I think there are on, but more on this issue of like, would it cause more division? And one of the things I've been thinking about is like, I do think it might cause more division (laughs) right off the bat. Like um, it it could stir things up even more, but I don't know that that's a bad thing Um, because I think like in order to reconstruct, in order for our country to heal and unify, um, none of this sort of like, um, it can't be like a fake unity. And I think if you start to throw things under the rug, you don't address them head on for what they are then you're not really addressing the issue and there's just gonna, it's going to reemerge in a different way. People are not held accountable. And so that's what it concerns me the most by not following through on something like this is just like 
the precedent that that potentially sets, you know, um, you know, for, for a president to be in a situation and get away with it. And, and I just think that like, we're at a, we're already at a breaking point in our country as it relates to division left versus right. And to me, like what's a little bit more pain <laughs> and what's a little bit more hurt if it gets to a solution and gets to some healing, like real genuine healing, then I think, then I think it might be worth that. Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, and the other thing I'd say is like one thing to just acknowledge is like this is a weird situation. There's really no – I mean from top to bottom it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation because uh, it's been since the War of 1812 that people stormed the Capitol, right? So in that in itself is just very like bizarre and you would have never thought that would come from – within in our own people doing that uh obviously like americans doing that before it was british doing that um and so you know like uh it's just a bizarre situation at the same time it's bizarre because this is a president who's now being in who has been impeached for a second time now we're at the point of should they convict him or not um so he's this is he is set this is his second time being impeached that's never happened before bizarre also, he is no longer president and he's being tried in the Senate uh, after basically after being voted out of office. So it's it's strange, right? There's from a legal standpoint, it's really strange. Scholar legal scholars on both sides. You can find legal scholars on the right and left saying mm, you can't do this constitutionally. And you can find legal scholars on the left and right saying you can do this constitutionally. And the reason for that is there's just not a whole lot of case law that helps define what the constitution actually says about this topic. So we're in weird waters. I mean, it, it looks like it's going to go forward. It looks like they are actually going to try them. There are five, I think senators who there was a test vote that I think happened today or yesterday as of this recording um, that uh, in the Senate uh, to see whether uh, the the senators thought this was constitutional or not, um, and uh, I think it was Rand Paul who forced the the vote on that uh, this test vote, and it came out I think uh, maybe five Republicans voted that it was, and so you saw kind of voting along party lines, and you can kind of see what it's going to look like um, going forward. But it's in, what I will say is uh, it's really fascinating uh to watch i I, you know um i think the other thing to say is there is talk about this is a chance for some of the older faction in the gop and by older i don't mean older people i mean like the traditionalists in the gop those who used to be in power um before sort of trump came along um this is a chance. They see this as a chance as a repudiation of Trump and what he stands for to sort of cleanse the party. I think the thing that Republicans are facing now um, after the this defeat and, and this last election is what do we do? Like what ha, what's it look like to move forward as a as Republicans, just like every any, after any loss in a, in a presidential race? There's that kind of soul searching and those kind of things. But I think now more than ever, there's this question of because there's a divide within the Republican Party itself, those who are true Trumpians, right, like true Trump supporters and those who 
basically backed Trump because it's politically expedient to do so, and they know they'll get voted out of office if they don't. Some of the some of those guys, the latter, are seeing this as an opportunity to maybe maybe we could use impeachment to sort of rid the party of of these Trumpians. So, man, it's a it's going to be really interesting. And to David's point, I don't think this will solve one way or the other. Um, unity or disunity. I think we're in for division in this country, whether Trump's impeached or not. Um, and if if anything proves that, it's the last four years. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you... What we see, to me, are not brand new things, but things that have been underneath the surface for a long time. And so we've kind of been living in this uh, fake unity, and we see people feeling free to speak honestly or to respond honestly to their beliefs. And so walking in division, I think that you can't really heal unless you know how deep the issue goes. Um, and so, you know, I think that the opportunity will come as we're able to address the real core root issues of ideologies that we've held to for a really long time as a country um, and walk through those things, you know, to me, it is uh, accountability, because if if there is no accountability, then uh, I feel like we will see a reemergence of similar activities or just a similar of approach of sharing voice and concerns in the future, whether that's in these four years or in the next four years. Um, and I think history shows that when people aren't held accountable for these kinds of behaviors, that we see these attitudes show up in different ways. And so that we would... Um, honor history in that way just is something's got to happen, even to a world stage. Like, how will we as a country handle what happened and our um, global neighbors see us in doing that? And I think that's really important just for us here um, in the States and also um, our folks uh, internationally. Uh, Speaking of that, President Biden has gotten straight to work. I feel like he had a party on Inauguration Day and then later in the afternoon spent uh, the entire evening working. Um, He has signed about 30 executive orders. And so some of these are on COVID. uh, Some of these are on climate. Some of these have to do with abortion. um, And so we see kind of funding and affordable health care and all these things what are we to make of these policy issues, their complexity, how we're supposed to think about them as Christians? Um, Adam, kind of kind of, what do you think about some of the things you've seen come out recently um, with these executive orders? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to note, and I, I think this is really important, is Trump signed a bunch of executive orders. Um, and so what, what you can't do is say, oh, man, this is just Biden power grab, uh, you know, sort of... Um, uh, uh, you know, circumventing the process. This has been a part of, um, with each presidency in the modern era, what you're seeing is more power move towards the president away from the legislature. And what you're seeing is um, more things like executive orders, more circumventing of the actual democratic process. And so, you know, we, it would be hip, hypocritical if you're a Republican and you're saying, I can't believe he's signing executive orders at all because so did Trump. Um, And so I think the, just the first kind of baseline issue is to say the fact that Biden is signing 30 executive orders is 
is a sign that there is something broken with at least our legislative system because laws should be passed through the legislature. That's what should happen. But because it is so gridlocked and because things are so partisan and they're growing more and more divisive, uh, it's really hard to pass any legislation whatsoever. And so presidents now increasingly feel the only way they can get anything done is by signing executive orders. So I think it's important to just note that, that there's a there's something broken in the system to a certain degree and one symptom of that are going to be things like executive orders. The second thing is actually to look at the substance of the executive orders. And some of them I think are I positive. That's what I would just say. I think some of the things that are is, are happening with COVID are um, hope are hopeful, you know, that there is some things that Biden's trying to do to sort of get a handle on it. I think this month so far is the highest death rate we've ever had for COVID. Um, I think it's, you know, cases are skyrocketing and all that's part, part, some of that's part of the holidays and the time of year and all those kind of things, um, we have to look at, but, you know, um, so it's him trying to get a handle on some things, get his hands around the COVID situation a little bit. So he signed an executive order that, you know, in federal buildings, you got to wear a mask on planes, you got to wear a mask. Some of that is, is to try to take some of the pressure off the people who are in those situations. You can go online and find videos every week of some person losing their minds because they have to wear a mask on a plane and they're getting kicked off a plane and all that. I mean, that just puts a flight attendant in a really hard situation. So just to say from the get go, this isn't a matter of like your conscience or anything like that. You got to wear a mask if you're on a plane. I think it just eases some things, right? Travel restriction as around the traveling, excuse me. Um, then you have ones like you said, where his, I think he's signing an executive order that says the funding that Planned Parenthood gets, I think it, they weren't, that previously if they've not been allowed to use this directly for abortions, but for other uh, pieces of sort of healthcare and women's healthcare. Now they're allowed to use some of those federal funding dollars to go towards abortion again. I think we as Christians should not look at that um, lightly. I think that's a, for us, we should be looking at that and questioning whether that's really something we want our tax dollars going towards. The answer again to that is is there's there's plenty of answers to that. We just did a whole episode on that uh, last week that you can check out um, around abortion itself. And then finally, there are executive orders around discrimin in the, discrimination in the workplace, especially as it relates to um, LGBTQ issues, um, especially trans issues. And those are things that I think, again, we just have to watch. We don't really know how those are going to play out. Those things haven't been tested in the courts yet. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like for certain nonprofit or even Christian businesses. Um, you know, are there going to be exceptions carved out for, for those? It doesn't look like there is, not through this executive order anyways. And so those are things that are probably going to be tested in the courts through lawsuits and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to ask... Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh Quick question for those of our listeners like me who may not have remembered our civics classes, because you brought up a good point of the executive order and kind of the dynamic of power and how we're seeing the president um, make more decisions on his own versus through the legislative process. What can a president make an executive order for and what can't he? And what is an executive order? Like real basic questions, but um, can he do it for anything? or specific things? 
That's a great question, Elizabeth. And off the top of my head, I don't know what all the limits are. What I can say is typically the executive orders are um, limited to those things are limited to executive agencies, meaning through agency power. So a lot of what happens um, with executive orders have to do with uh, ordering agencies to accomplish certain things. Over time, though, um, these executive agencies themselves have grown in power and more numerous. So, for instance, agencies are things like the Food and Drug Administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, all these different agencies that carry out the executive powers of the government. The the president can order them to do certain things. And so, um, again, they're typically limited to the executive powers in those executive agencies, but I am not 100% sure on that. What I can say is that I know they're not unchecked. So the Congress, uh, the legislature, can override an executive order by introducing basically a law. They introduce a bill and vote on it. The problem, of course, is that a president can veto a bill, and that can only be overturned uh, by a a certain larger majority of the House um, uh, overturning the president's veto. So it's a very hard process to overturn an executive order. Um, They can also be checked uh, for constitutionality in the Supreme Court. Um, But in, in general, you haven't seen many be contested, at least not through the legislature. Yeah, and the the one that I think the one that I think will be you know contested if he try you know tries to pass it is that Hyde Amendment that you talked about as it relates to funding toward Planned Parenthood specifically being used for abortion, which was a big one that Trump did. Even though, interestingly enough, Planned Parenthood you know there were more abortions during Trump's term than than um, than ever um, by Planned Parenthood. So it's just I don't know how all that works. But even though the the Hyde Amendment was in place, it didn't seem to have uh, as a big of an effect as maybe we thought it would. But I know that that's definitely one that Congress would try to block, um, and will and have said that they will try to block. You know, if he tries to overturn the Hyde Amendment, and so I think that one would be an example of something that gets a lot of um, there would be a lot of discussion and controversy around it if it were to try to pass it. So when we think about um, Biden's presidency, and so I think I want to specifically kind of ask this question in the frame of the critical nature by which we talked about the Trump presidency. And so we know as Christians that we don't fit neatly on the left or the right. And so how should Christians approach um, kind of what we think about the Biden presidency? Are there things that we should be concerned about, things we should be paying attention to? Um, how do we speak openly and honestly, and I think critically, that we should not, uh, there are some people who are really happy Biden's in office, there are others who are not. And so I think that Biden doesn't get a clean pass um, in the same way that we held Trump accountable. And so how do we do that as Christians? Again, what are some things that we need to be concerned about or paying attention to with the Biden presidency? Well, I think I'm glad you mentioned kind of that last part, because I definitely think that there's going to be a temptation, especially from a lot of younger Christians, maybe who were really kind of fed up with Trump and and frustrated about him. There's going to be a temptation to let Biden off the hook, I think, and try to and end up doing the very thing that a lot of people have hated over the last four years. And that's like defend this guy, try to justify everything. 
whether you voted for Biden or not, I think I can see that being a temptation just because of the stark contrast between him and Donald Trump. And if you had um, some contempt for for Donald Trump, then I, I but I think I, I would want to challenge myself, you know, on that like on that very thing. It's like, you know, like Biden is not going to be perfect. He's got a lot of different a lot of things that he's going to try to pass that are going to run contrary to. I think a Christian vision for human flourishing and for the what we would say the love of our neighbor and to me an approach toward Biden is one don't be surprised like you know like we know the his platform before he became president um like and we know the the democrat platform and like where we disagree and don't disagree so I think Christians should try to avoid that outrage culture of like just being so frustrated and mad about everything because like this is the world being the world, <laughs> you know, um, this is not, um, the church and this is not the kingdom of God. You know, this is a, a secular government and we need to try to influence it and, and push for things that we believe are good. But, um, so don't be surprised. I think, I think affirm what's good, affirm what's bad. We were just trying to do that a little bit as we were talking about his executive orders. Like I, one thing I want to already affirm that's good about Biden is like, I really like some of the stuff around immigration and that he's doing, you know, stopping the building of the wall. Um, he's protection for dreamers, uh, the family unification situation where families were getting, you know, um, pulled apart at the border. Like he did a lot of stuff very quickly, which aren't even big things. Like he's not saying that we're not going to have walls anymore around immigration. He's just trying to put some policies in place that I think, uh, support the dignity of humanity in those situations and, you know, um, and love of neighbor. And so I want to affirm those things, but there, you know, this Hyde amendment in particular, um, there's things like that that are concerning. And I think it's okay to be concerned. It's okay to raise those concerns and, and hold him accountable. That's what we do. Like, like you said, Christians are not, we're not a part of either of these political parties. I think we can vote one or the other. And I think we, and then we, we don't try to feel any need to then support that candidate and their party and justify it, but we just hold them accountable and we call it what needs to be called out. That's really good. I, I think one thing to remember, and it's along these lines and we've already been saying it, but I think the like heights of um, the catastrophizing and, and look, there's some really serious things going on. So I don't want to Put it that way, but it the the way that we saw people talk about this, like this is your last chance for democracy, kind of language that was coming out, and a lot of Christians spoke that way. Both sides did, but a lot of Christians uh, on the right were speaking that way, and a lot of people on the left were speaking that way as well. Um, and it was like, if you vote, I'm specifically, and I'll just say it, like thinking of like Metaxas, it's like if you vote for uh, if if Trump doesn't win, it's over. And what's it's strange because there's been a lot of like even in the lead up to the inauguration, right? That the, it's oh, the the election's over, all that. You had Christians coming out and saying crazy things like God told me Trump was still going to be president, so don't worry, people. It's going to be okay. Somehow it's going to be a return. There was a there was a pastor in Frisco who got up in front of his congregation and said those kind of things, and it's like this almost apocalyptic sense we will churches will cease to exist if biden wins and on the other side right if trump wins that means um you know 
the world's over, our freedoms are over, you know, every, it's going to be the worst thing in the world. And like Christians sort of like, we don't have to engage in that kind of catastrophic thinking. We need to be realistic. We need to be able to, as you said, David, hold people accountable. We need to be able to be critical where we can be critical in a good way. I'm not speaking, I'm not speaking of that from a sense of cynicism or something, but we don't have to engage in that sort of catastrophizing around a presidential election, which means we can be free to not be um, fatalistic about so with Biden, we can say, oh, yeah, that's good that he did that. That's wrong that he did that. With Trump, you can say, oh, it's good that he did that. It's bad that he did that. I mean, some of Trump's policies around China, th- those are good things. You know, look at what China's doing right now with Uyghur Muslims. Look at what's happening there. Look at, I mean, there are things that are happening, ripping off basically all of our intellectual property. If you know anything about that, they basically just like, I mean, you've all like seen the movie where it's like, you know, whatever, like Transformers is coming out. And then for some reason, there's an exact copy of Transformers in China or something like that. Like we laugh at that, but they've done that with our technology. There's been a ton of corporate corporate espionage and those kind of things. Like there was good things happening there. We can say that like nobody's, no, you know, it's okay for us to kind of be free to commend where we need to commend and to hold accountable where we need to hold accountable because we do not think that our, our future hope Uh, Our present hope does not reside in a political party or in a political office. It just doesn't. So, And the the kingdom of God, the things that God has begun since creation have not been thwarted by uh, regimes or governments, um, both in the United States and globally. Like he's still pushing forward. And so that we exist actively in our political system, informed, educated. Again, we can be, I think everybody has the propensity to be caught up in bad information. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think to walk in humility on wherever you fall on the side of the line, but also I I remember from our interview with Justin Gibney, and he talked about how our vote on November 3rd is not the end all be all. Like we're called to hold our political officials accountable and so that's a continuation, like you were talking about, David, of involvement in our political system. Um, but to lighten up just a little bit, I don't know if any of y'all got new mittens um, because you saw some really great mittens in a <laughs> meme. Uh, how about that Bernie Sanders meme <laughs> of him at the inauguration or literally him and every other place in America uh, in his chair oh at the inauguration? <laughs> The only thing I have to say is that there are days where I'm on social media and I'm like, why am I on here? This is making me an angry person. I like, is this good for me? And then a Bernie meme comes out and I'm like, this is why I stay. This is this is why I stay <laughs> on Twitter because this brings a lot of joy to, to my life. Um, I don't know. The meme was great. That's That's all I know. I'm always amazed. (laughs) I'm always amazed at people's quickness. I'm like, how did you do that? (laughs) I guess it doesn't look wonky. He looks like he actually belongs in the places that he's in on all these photos. And yeah, I've always think that with memes or people who like make video clips of stuff that's happened 20 minutes before and it went viral. I'm like, where are y'all doing with your lives? I am not on social media. And um, I saw it 
a ton, not even being on social media because people had to show me. <laughs> Honestly, you guys, I know this is probably just my weirdness, but I felt bad for poor Bernie. I was Aww. like, he looks cold. That He's got crazy mittens on. I don't know if it was cold up there, but I'm like, this. look, I am not that old. I'm almost 40, and I am like, I can, if I have to go to like a an event of any kind, and be uncomfortable for a small amount of time, my anxiety level just increases. And that poor guy had to like sit out there for hours. I don't know how long and sit in the cold. And that's all I was thinking about, but I guess he's from Vermont. So he's used to it, but yeah. Yeah. He dressed for the occasion. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Plus there are like, like dozens and dozens of like videos and photos of him wearing those mittens in that coat at rallies and stuff. So I'm not sure he had (laughs) like, I think that's like part of the Bernie uniform. Okay. (laughs) Um, but also like he did it at the, in the end of the day, he, he slapped it on a sweatshirt and sold it and gave all the money back to, um, I believe it was like, is it meals on wheels? Is that what it's called? Um, Come on, Bernie. I think in, in his hometown. So yep. Pretty, pretty cool there. Again, um, that he put it on a t-shirt and he sold it. Like, I'm just, I feel like it happened yesterday <laughs> and he's already making money off of it, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> True. That's amazing. Uh, Just a quick side note. Um, Did anybody listen to Amanda Gorman's poem from that day? The inauguration day? Speaking of memes, she was the, is like a junior poet laureate, like a 22 year old person, regardless of your political affiliation. Like uh, it's pretty incredible to watch there's a lot said about the next generation and young people and, you know, the whatever, you know, millennials were castigated forever. And now Gen Z is like going to be the, you know, if you read any of the, uh, of us old snotty people writing about them, they're going to be like the worst people of all of the worst generation of all time. But, uh, to watch her and to, to listen to her vision, um, uh, as a hopeful vision for America was something that was interesting and unifying. So I, I don't know what you guys, what, what y'all's take was if you saw it or didn't see it, but yeah. And yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess there was not a lot to say about that. I thought it was beautiful too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Hey, uh, I mean, I think it speaks to, I will say this. I think it speaks to an effort that President Biden made to be intentionally hopeful mm-hmm. at his inauguration. And so I think she spoke life. Like I like what she said, how she said it was super intentional. And I think creating this, uh, what many people feel has been missing, um, mm-hmm. which is we are experiencing a harder season as a country. We need hope. And how do we move forward? And so, you know, I think she really just did a beautiful, um, expressing a beautiful way. And then just her own story of struggling with uh, speech impediment, you know, it kind of just adds all the more um, to what she was able to produce. But it was beautiful. If you haven't watched it, it, you need to watch it. That's what I'm saying. It was a viral moment that was worth watching. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Regardless of political affiliation, you could watch it and there was something viral about it. So it was great. The Pixar movie Soul. Um... I really enjoyed it, but I'm going to save my opinions for last. David, <laughs> what's the movie about? Tell the peoples. What is the movie Soul? 
Man, the the movie Soul is about a lot of things in terms of its like deeper meaning, but I think like the plot or the storyline itself, you know, centers around this uh, middle school band teacher. I think his name's Joe, and um, all of his students love him. It's very clear from the beginning he's made an impact on their lives. But you quickly see that Joe cares. Like it's not that he doesn't care about that, but like what he truly loves is jazz music and playing jazz music. And it's been his lifelong dream to make it as a jazz musician. And so um, the story is actually not about like him working toward that dream. Uh, The premise is that like at the very beginning of the movie, and I'm going to try to not spoil it here, like that dream is realized. And I, I don't, this is a bit of a spoiler, but this is the beginning of the movie. So I have to say it for us to have any conversation about this, but like he is on his way. He got this gig and he's finally kind of made it <laughs> and he falls. Um, what are those things called in the middle of the street? Manhole. Yeah. Man, he falls in a manhole, gets put in the hospital. I guess he's basically in a coma and is kind of having this like out of body life, death experience and goes into this, whatever you want to call it, um, eternity slash limbo. It's not trying to make any kind of like theological statement about like the afterlife, I don't think. Um, but that's where he ends up and he's trying to get out of there because he's got to go become a jazz musician. Um, but in that process learns a lot and learns like what he really wants and who he really is as a person. It's interesting, you know, it's captured, I think maybe because, I, I don't know when it was first kind of posted to, um, or whatever they call it, uh, uploaded <laughs> to uh, Disney Plus or whatever, um, but I think it was over the holidays, I might be wrong about that, but um, it's Christmas. sort of, Christmas, yeah, it was Christmas, and um, you know, it caught sort of the cultural imagination. There's been a lot written about it, uh, things written like it's the anti-Disney movie and those kind of things, and um uh, which I think we can talk about a little bit more, but um, it's it's an interesting film, and and it's especially interesting sort of Pixar choice. It it deviates some. It feels like from, uh, and I like Pixar movies personally. I always find them really entertaining, but uh, it sort of deviates from their formula a little bit. And um, I I, th- I thought it was a great. I th- I really I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. My kids enjoyed it. Yeah. I remember um, when I watched it. I I'd actually talked to my my mom about it and she was like she was caught off guard <laughs> by kind of the whole eternity dynamic. Um I think she, my parents thought it had to do with soul music and not like uh the actuality <laughs> of <laughs> so That's And so awesome. I think it was like it, I was not expecting that. And so it wasn't bad, but I think it is a different kind of movie. Um, especially for a cartoon and just really some simple basic questions that to me in a COVID season are just important to ask. And I think people are asking of what does it mean to live? Like, what does Mm. it mean to really enjoy the life we've been given? And maybe it's not as fancy as we think it is. Uh, And so I think the movie uh, ends in, in a really sweet way that had me asking myself some good questions and trying to be maybe more grateful in ways that I haven't been. Yeah, it, it kind of had that, 
and I don't want to compare it to this movie because it does a lot of things that are different, but it had kind of that it's a wonderful life type of thing where like Mm -hmm. you are reflecting on your life, the decisions you've made, and you realize you're not the person that you thought you were or that you need to be. And yeah, it got me. I'm not going to lie. Like there's, there's a scene kind of this montage of him, like looking back on his life and it's like moment by moment. And like I was in tears and I, and it like, I think everyone in my family was in that moment, even my one, at least one of my daughters, the other one doesn't ever cry, but um, like we were, you were all moved by that, that moment. So it, it, it does a lot. Like it, it's emotional and kind of gives, it hits you on like a very like gut level about like reflecting on your own life. But it, it does raise some kind of like deeper philosophical, theological ideas that are pretty interesting. You know, like what is the soul? You know, like what does that even mean in the way that we're made and our makeup as people? Like um, it doesn't answer all of those questions, I don't think, but it, it definitely is thought provoking. And I, and I love any time a movie, especially a movie that's geared a lot toward families and kids can, can do that sort of thing because it can be enjoyed on a very surface level. Sure. But then you can keep kind of digging if you want. Yeah. A couple of things I'd say is uh, one of the themes I thought that was explored in the film was this idea that sometimes our personal dreams that are sort of, um, you know, can almost have delusions of grandeur tied to them. There's a way in which in the Christian life, what we are called to be extraordinary, but our extraordinary comes by who we belong to. And that's our King. Uh, and it's Jesus, right? But, um, what is highlighted in the Christian faith is that actually it's the very ordinary acts of love over time uh, that make our lives extraordinary. Um, it's not chasing sort of the, the dreams of the world necessarily, but it's that it's what we talk about on the show all the time. The one another's the coming alongside Elizabeth, as you'll talk about it's, it's, being with people and sharing something of your life with them that makes our lives all the richer. It's acting like a Christian and displaying fruits of the spirit towards those around us. Um, And those things are, it's finding the extraordinary in the simple and ordinary that makes life so rich. And there's a theme that's being explored in the movie there. And I think uh, I found that very, I don't know, moving. One thing I will just say, though, and I don't know if you guys watched it. uh, I I don't know if you watched it with kids or didn't watch it with kids. But, I, you know, it's not your typical kids movie. I think my oldest, who's seven, was in. My youngest, who's three, was not so in. So I'll just, some Pixar movies, a a three-year-old will you know, dive in. This probably wasn't one of those and there's nothing wrong with that. It just, it, it probably wasn't there. It also provides good, um, look, one thing we need to be as Christians is fluent in a, in a gospel way. And it provided me good opportunities as I always do, which probably ruined the movie for them was to pause and say, Hey, this is really interesting guys, but that's not, that's not real. That's not what reality is. That's not what we believe. So, you know, I mean, maybe I'm just a little too, um, maybe I'm just a little, maybe, maybe I'm just being a weird dad. Pastor dad. Yeah. I'm being pastor dad. Right. But, (laughs) but I think, I think it's always like, like we always get those opportunities with our kids to sort of 
it doesn't mean we shut the TV off, but it does mean we have this uh, conversation, a conversation, right, with our kids to say, hey, this is what we believe. And this is and there's great opportunities for that in this movie as well. Um, And I truly see them as opportunities, not drawbacks. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it it asked really basic it presented really basic questions that every human is trying to answer, you know, and Mm -hmm. so I think even. You know, because the movie was great to watch as an adult. And so a conversation point to talk to someone who is searching or someone who is thinking about their own faith, it makes a really easy bridge to a spiritual conversation about the gospel. Because in a movie that's talking about what the meaning of life is, man, that's a really easy connection to in whom we find the meaning of life. Mm. Uh, I will also say about the movie is that many of the main characters are African-American and they straight up look African American. Like they're yes. not just brown white characters. And so <laughs> I appreciated the mannerisms and the culture and all these things. I appreciated what Pixar did to really have an authentic presence of minorities in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think even the way that, you know, some of like black culture was explored in some pretty cool ways, like with the barbershop experience yeah. and things like that um that were pretty fun and and honestly just uh, like things that maybe some kids will have not ever been exposed to and see for the first time and and kind of get a glimpse of that and it's pretty cool but yeah i was the the whole like finding your purpose striving towards something it was cool because it connected with me but also my kids, because I don't know, like Adam, I know you have kids. My kids are talking all the time about like what they want to be when they grow up. Mm. And I'm like, why are we talking about this? You're seven years old. Like, but I want to be this. Like, (laughs) I feel like it's almost a daily conversation. And so this is like, was like a great opportunity to just be like, Hey, whatever you want to be, it's not going to make you happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like just, let's just go ahead and deconstruct that thought right now. Like you think it's, you think you're going to grow up and going to solve all of your problems to to achieve this thing that you want to achieve i want you to achieve that that's really cool god could use that in amazing ways but that's not gonna you know bring the happiness that you're really longing for and so Mm. um it's no surprise i don't know if you guys know this but peter doctor the director is he he's an outspoken christian um and he's made a few different um like done a few different interviews sorry like with Christianity Today and a few other publications where he, you know, he put it out there that he's a Christian and that influences maybe in some indirect ways, but the way that he makes movies. And so I'm not surprised by that after watching this movie and a lot of its takeaways. So. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, It's definitely, it's, it's enjoyable. The music is great. And if you've got two hours and a Disney plus, Subscription, it is worth your time um, to just have just a kind of a good carefree moment. And then at the end, I think you'll be asking yourself some of the same questions that David and Adam and I have been asking ourselves after we have watched it. It was definitely um, worth an afternoon for me. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Stared and produced by David Roar. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review where you listen to the podcast. Also, follow us on Instagram and support our patron page at patron.podbean.com backslash culture matters. Thanks and God bless.